0: Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Here's my question for you. Why are you marking so much stuff? That is a question so many teachers ask when they're sitting here overwhelmed because they are marking absolutely everything that their students touch and they feel completely overwhelmed. Let's talk today about what you need to stop marking so that you don't feel like you are drowning in a pile of paperwork all of the time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. My name is Patty, and I am the teacher, author, and founder of madlylearning.com, and I'm also a teacher in Ontario, Canada. Madly Learning has been around for the last nine years, helping teachers make learning engaging, simple, and fun for their students through inquiry-based learning activities and resources. So why are you marking so much? We've talked so much. There are so many episodes in Teaching with Madly Learning over the last 200 episodes. We've talked a lot about assessment, but one of the things we haven't talked about is what you need to stop marking. Let me be the first to tell you, not everything your students do deserves your time and attention to put a mark on it. Just because they did it does not mean you need to mark it. In fact, there's probably going to be a lot of things that you can do that are going to simplify what you do have to mark in a way that becomes a bit more manageable and less I'm going to spend all weekend drowning in paperwork marking. So let's dig right in. Let's discuss what it is you need to stop marking. First two questions I want you to ask yourself is what exactly are you marking? And what is the purpose behind the thing that you are marking? Are you marking just for the purpose of making sure students do it because you think that the only reason they're going to do work is if you mark it, or the only reason they're going to put forth any effort is if you're going to put a mark on it? It's not necessarily true. We don't want to create an environment where the only reason students do anything is because it's a mark that'll go on your report card, Miss. It's not really the method we want to send. There are two types of work that you're going to do in your classroom. The first is going to be practice work. The second is going to be stuff that's worth marking. And if it's practice work, we want to check that it's done, but there are simple ways that we can realign how that gets marked, how that gets assessed, or just how that gets taken up without it taking up a tremendous amount of our time first thing I want you to ask yourself is, is it necessary? Is the practice work necessary? Could you do it differently in a way that could allow you to gather information without a stack of papers that you have to take home and look at? Can you assess that practice in a smaller form that would capture what they've learned after a week's worth of learning? So could you give them a daily practice page that they practice and then have a quick five question quiz that you mark at the end of the week. So therefore you just check that all five days are done. So if you did practice questions on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and had a quick five question answer or five question exit card on the Friday that allowed you to quickly assess whether they got the practice from all week, could you then have that as your assessment, then you're just marking one thing they did over five days instead of marking something they did all over the five days. Now you might be saying, well, how do you know if they're not practicing it correct? Well, you do want to make sure that while they are doing it, you are doing something strategically in your classroom. Are you engaging in guided activities where you are working with a small group of students? Are you circulating around the room, checking to make sure they're quickly on track through observations and conversations? These are things that you want to be doing throughout the day, which means you're not going to be taking all of that paper home because I don't need to take their paper home if I've walked to each one of their desks or targeted a few students that I think may be struggling And I've gone to their desks while they're working on that practice page and checked over their shoulder to make sure they're on the right track and they understand. And if I have a group of them that don't understand, I can pull them and do some guided instruction and reteach and reassess through my observations and conversations with them through the week. And then the product that I'm taking home is just that one thing at the end of the week. It means I'm not marking every single worksheet that they do because it's not all worth my time and energy to do it because it's simply practice. So I want to use my powers of observation and conversation throughout the week to monitor where they are and how they're doing, but I'm not gonna take every single thing home and mark it. The other piece there is that I'm not going to mark things that I can get them to mark. So what you can stop marking is anything Anything you do throughout the week where the answer is simply right or wrong. If you have, say, a math worksheet, if you have a reading response where there's just comprehension questions, multiple choice questions, true or false questions, short answer, if there is one correct answer, this is not necessarily something you need to mark. This is something you can get your students to mark. You can give them the answer page, have them check and provide a mark that they put at the top of the page, then you simply have to collect it and record their mark. You're not the one going through and marking whether it's right or wrong because they've already done that for you. Additionally, if you can break down the assessment into right and wrong, multiple choice, true and false, this is an opportune time for you to use the technology resources and give students an online quiz on Google Forms or Microsoft Forms that allows students to answer that online or digitally By doing this, you can automatically have it marked, which means the mark is automatically recorded and saved and ready to go. So you're not spending additional time marking because students are doing this on their own, which is ideal because it means you're not doing it. You can also simply provide them with the answer page and have them compare their answers to the answers that are on the page. Asking them to notice where they went wrong, what they did incorrectly, and how they can go about changing that in the future, what their next steps are, and what their goal is moving forward. You can have that provided to them too. Anything that is simple or rote that students are doing, if there is a way that they can do some of the marking, they can compare their answers, or you can turn it digital, that's going to cut down on any of the marking that you yourself are doing. The other thing we need to stop marking immediately is anything that is related to homework. In fact, maybe we just stop sending home homework that comes back and asks us to mark it. I don't want to have any homework because I don't want to spend the time marking it. So if your school board has a policy where any homework that is sent home has to be marked, stop sending home homework. If parents are interested in having a homework program, suggest something that does not require you to mark it. Things like, providing students with experiences that you can't provide in class because you're not able to do field trips at the moment. You can ask parents to take them for experiences in the community as part of the homework program. You can also ask them to practice things or play games that, again, cannot be returned back to school, but does have the parents engaging with the student in those activities. Chances are, if it's not something that is done independently only will get done by those very eager parents that are wanting to sit down and do that work with their students. And for the rest of the students, it is not necessarily something that that parent prioritizes, which is fine. Because if we are doing our jobs, the bulk of the learning is going to be happening inside our classroom. And if it can't get done, that's on us. Students are busy and we don't need to overburden them by giving them work to do at home. By doing so, we're just creating a culture where we are not teaching our students how to maintain boundaries and a work-life balance when they get out into the workforce. So we want to start that young and teach students that home is for home time and for extracurriculars and fun and experiences and school is for school time and we will get our jobs and our tasks done during the hours that we have. We also have to evaluate things like textbook work or worksheets. If we are over-relying on paper-based tasks that have our students filling out things that we could actually mark, we need to question ourselves why we're generating so much busy work for our students. If this is practice, are there other ways and other types of learning that your students can engage in that does not require so much paper-based tasks? where they're just reading and answering questions or things that they're generating us to mark. Engaging in things like games, projects, collaborative learning activities, communication, knowledge building circles are all valid ways for students to learn, but it also is not producing a product I need to collect, take home, and mark outside of the school hours. In fact, most of those activities allow me to generate observation and conversational data that I can create and collect through students, with students, right in the moment of learning. I can track that on just a class list, checklists. I can make anecdotal comments at the end of my day. All of those things are possible, but it also means I'm not taking home piles of work. If we restructure our programs to reduce the amount of paper-based activities that can be marked, and we provide more collaborative learning experiences, engaging activities, hands-on learning, all of that is happening in our classroom, it means that there is going to be less to take home. If I can go a week without photocopying any materials, then I don't have very much to take home except of what students are creating and producing in their notebooks. We also have to evaluate that not everything our students do is worthy of our time to actually mark it. Sometimes things are just an application of something we've taught them and we just want them to practice it because it is something they just need to practice. But the actual application of that skill is going to happen somewhere else. Spelling and grammar are a key here. Every week I do spelling and grammar activities. I don't mark Any of it. The only thing I do is check to make sure that it is done and I observe when students are doing it to make sure they're on the right track. So I'm not marking it, I'm checking it. By checking students' work, I'm just making sure they understand the assignment. And if they do, we're happy to move on. My actual evaluation of their spelling and grammar happens when I'm assessing their writing. I'm not doing any spelling lessons, any grammar lessons, or any worksheets in my classroom. They're going to give me a really good understanding of how students actually apply the rules of spelling and grammar in their writing. That's what we're really being asked to evaluate, is can't students apply all of this learning into their actual daily writing? if students' spelling is improving, if their grammar is improving, if they're starting to use quotation marks better, if they understand the rules of when a sentence begins and when a sentence ends, they apply those lessons that I've taught them, the practice worksheets that we've done, if I'm actually seeing a better application of those skills in their writing, that's when I'm marking it. Because when I'm marking their writing, I can mark a whole lot of things in one task. So anytime I can combine different learnings into one task, I'm going to do that. means I'm marking less and getting more material for what students are actually doing. Now, every once in a while, I may collect a spelling and grammar activity and mark that, but I'm certainly not marking every single one of them. Now, the other thing that takes me a tremendous amount of time is tests, and because tests take so much time to mark and create, let's be honest, especially if you've got multiple students at multiple ability levels, and you need to create an individualized test for each student's ability level, creating tests is a undertaking, to say the least, because one test is not going to fit the needs if you've got a lot of students on IEPs, if you've got ESL students, you need a different test for each of them. That's a lot of work. So whenever I can gather information through a project or assignment, especially if that task is open-ended, it can be a test-like, but it's a test that has steps along the way, that I'm going to opt to do that instead of doing a standardized test because it's going to take me a lot less time to mark it. Yes, parents, guardians, they love tests. We can put little tests, little quizzes that are a lot easier to mark. We can have little things along the way if we can use technology tools and Google Forums and all of that. That is definitely helpful for those little quizzes along the way. But these big, epic, long unit tests are often very difficult to put together and very time-consuming to mark. We are constantly doing that it means we are piling on the amount of work that we are being. We are giving our own selves. We are assigning this marking to ourselves. So by redesigning what we give to our students, it means there's going to be less assessment. So if instead we give things like projects and allow our students to present their projects in a multitude of ways in a way that is specific to their learning needs, we allow open-ended differentiated tasks. To have students demonstrate their learning and their understanding. It means that, number one, if we're doing presentations, it's going to take class time, which means you're marking during the day, during your contract hours, instead of spending all of your evenings and weekends marking. And it also means that you have one task that students can take and use multiple ways and present it in multiple ways, and it's differentiated without you needing to necessarily plan this wide range of a a wide range of different standardized tests that you're giving your kids. So I do recommend projects and presentations. I also recommend that you're doing guided instruction in math, in language, in social studies, during science experiments. All of this is important because it allows you to gather observational and conversational data in a small group that means that you can collect that data and you're not doing it after school hours. The more times I'm conferencing with students, I'm asking them about their writing, I'm discussing and providing oral feedback on something that they have done. We are learning about different things together in a small group. I get a lot more data about what they're thinking. I can ask them a question. I can ask them to clarify. I can get more information. That is far more information that I can get from a student then a paper-based test is going to provide me. An alternative to a test would be an oral test. Having your students come to the back room or the back table and you ask them a series of three questions and have them orally explain it to you in their own way, allowing you to ask confirming questions or more probing questions to get more information out of them and recording their answers is a great way to get a quick snapshot assessment of how your students are doing and what they're learning without necessarily needing to write a test. So that is in the moment feedback. Another form of feedback is if you are spending a ton of time writing the same comments over and over again, this may help if you are feeling this way. So try a checklist. So if there are things that students are commonly doing that you are always providing feedback on these pieces of information, create a little checklist. Print it out on a label and affix that after your students work in their notebooks. And then check off the things that they did well. Check off the things that they, you know, need to work on next time. And then you have to write less. So If you're marking a reading response, think about the criteria that you want all of your reading responses to have. Do they have a clear opinion stated at the beginning? Yes. So instead of writing, you had a really good opinion here, check off that they did that. Did they have evidence from the text? Check off that they did that. Did they explain what they were thinking? Check off they did that. That will reduce the amount of information that you are writing in those feedback paragraphs that you construct for the writing where you're writing sometimes just as much as they are. Check off the things that they did. If there's something they're missing, identify it as a need, and then write a very brief one sentence, sentence and a half, two sentences. I guess you don't do a sentence and a half, but write two sentences max for your feedback because you've already got... The bulk of things you're constantly repeating in every person's thing, have those done. If you just print them out on a label and put them in their notebook, that's going to save you writing out all of that information over and over again because you have it just sitting there. Common pieces of feedback that you provide students, put it on a label, put it in their book, and then write less as your feedback. If you haven't heard it before, let me be the one to tell you that you do not need to mark everything your students touch it's not always worth your time. If you already have evidence of that key piece of learning, if there is a simpler way for you to collect it, if you can divide the work they're doing as being practice work and you have an alternate way that you can evaluate the effectiveness of that practice work, do that. Do not mark absolutely everything they touch and try to mix up what your lessons are every single day. If every day they're producing piles and piles of paper do less paper-based activities. Try something different. Try a little bit of inquiry. Inquiry often has me doing far less paper-based activities and has gathers more and more assessment. Now, I'm not talking about these big, huge inquiry projects. I'm talking about inquiry-inspired lessons that has your students discovering the answers to questions, figuring things out, Little mini lessons. Think about each little learning goal that you may have along the way instead of one large open ended project. Start with the learning goal, present that to your students, and have them engage in an activity. Hands on, experiential, collaborative activities are a wonderful, great way to have students learning without constantly having them have a paper based product that they need to support. You do not need to have piles and piles of paper to justify the marks that you give students. You need the triangulation of data between observations, conversations, and products. If you're tracking the conversations and the observations that you're making of students throughout the day and you have products, you have an equaled, balanced assessment portfolio for your students in which to justify marks. Take anything you can and mark it during the day in the middle of learning. As students are learning is when you should be marking and spending the bulk of your time assessing students through your observations and conversations that will ultimately reduce the amount of paper-based product marking that you are doing throughout the day. So stop marking so much. There's lots of different ways that you can gather the information you need to form an assessment and a mark for your student without constantly marking every single piece of paper that they touch in a day. Hope this is giving you some ideas and food for thought on what not to mark. We'll be back next week for another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.